Thanks for checking out the Candeo podcast. To learn more about us, visit us at candeochurch.com. Well, good morning, Candeo Church. Today, we end our three-part series that has been aimed at helping families know God together through family worship, to show God together through family service, and to share God together through family mission. And that's what we're talking about today is now sharing God together in family mission. And while this series has been aimed particularly at families, it's not applicable to only families. And I hope that those of you that are in the room that have been here these past few weeks and you know, that you're maybe young married, no kids yet, or young professionals or empty nesters, you found something each week that's been applicable. And today, I hope that you find that to be true as well, because there are things in each of these messages that apply to you that you can say, okay, I'll, I'll take that in. But I want to speak to families in particular. And here's the question, parents, I want to put before you today as we talk about the topic of family mission. And if you've got a, a pen or a piece of paper, you're writing down some notes, Write this question down and, and take this home with you and even take it to your, your dining table for discussion. But here's the question. What is the culture you are creating in your household? What is the culture that you are creating in your household? And I would add this follow-up question. And is it different than any of the households around you? It was about 10 years ago now, I was having a conversation with a parent of teenagers. And the conversation was full of a lot of regret. Um, because this conversation, he was, he was revealing to me that it was beginning to like dawn on him that while his kids were growing up, he had told them things like, man, when Jesus comes into your life, he changes everything. He'll transform everything about you. He'll fill you with the spirit and then God will send you out to, to change the world. He would say these things to his children. And then even on Sunday mornings, they would sit and he'd have some of his kids to his right and some to his left. And he would even lift his hands and worship and sing songs with these words like Christ be magnified. You know, Use my life to declare your glory. And then they would pack up as a family. They'd get into the suburban, a suburban that they would drive that was much like everybody else's suburban in their neighborhood. They'd drive to their house that was much like everybody else's house and their part of town. They had hobbies and schedules that were much like everybody else's hobbies and schedules in their part of town. They went on vacations into vacation homes that were much like everybody else's vacations and vacations homes. And it really didn't look like anything outside of Sunday mornings. And I said that the conversation was full of a lot of regret because he was watching his kids begin to kind of grow up and move out of the household. And I would just ask you the, the, the question, because you can imagine it, what type of Christ follower do you think a house like that creates? What type of culture does that household have? And what type of Christ follower is it raising up? Like one of the weightiest realities I feel as a parent is that the culture that I set in my household, that will become the assumed normal for my kids as they grow up. And even like the small things. So we have a fridge in our basement that's got soda in it almost all the time. 
My kids, because of that, will grow up thinking in their 20s as they go into adulthood, that's just normal. Like every family, every household has a fridge, right, with soda, right? That's just normal. If, if I give myself permission, which I do from time to time sinfully, that I can raise my voice in anger and I can yell at my kids when I'm angry, what's going to happen? My kids are going to grow up assuming that that's just normal. If we create a culture in our household where we're welcoming in foster kids, when we're inviting the hurting and broken to sit at our dining table on a regular basis, where it's not just our family all the time gathering around to eat, but we're constantly pulling extra chairs up to the to table to eat, what are my kids going to do? They're going to grow up thinking that that's normal. And I think sadly, a number of us, the culture that we're creating in our household is either going to create half-hearted worshipers of God or kids that just look at our version of Christianity and go, it's just a total sham. It's like a Sunday morning thing. And it isn't worth my time. Or as parents, we can set a culture in our household that we're going to do everything we can to raise our kids up to live lives full of the love of God and fully on mission with him. So I ask you this question again, what is the culture that you are creating in your household? And I wanna give you Psalm 145 is kind of like an anchor for a family mission that you could adopt into your household. And so if you've got a Bible, uh, Seth just read a portion of Psalm 145. I'm gonna just focus in on two verses if we can. I'm gonna start first with verse three of Psalm 145. It says this, the Lord is great and highly praised. His greatness is unsearchable. If you have a pen, just underline that phrase, his greatness is unsearchable. And here's a picture I wanna put in your mind of, of what he means when he says his greatness is unsearchable. Uh, one of the highlights of our summer as our family, we went on a family vacation road trip out to Yellowstone National Park. Has anybody in here, have you been to Yellowstone before? Like, have you seen this place? It is wild. And not just like wild in like the wildlife standpoint. Like the scenery, everything about it is just incredible. And what blows my mind is you're driving through. I mean, you drive hours through Yellowstone. It's 2.2 million acres. The park itself is just 2.2 million acres, which is larger than some states. That's how big this place is. And I remember making the comment to my wife as we're seeing things like this. I just looked at her and said, you could spend a lifetime in Yellowstone and not drink in its full beauty. Guys, here's what David is trying to communicate in Psalm 145. Is that you could spend 10 billion lifetimes and not drink the full beauty of God's greatness. You understand what I'm talking about? That? That's what it means when it says his greatness is unsearchable. You can spend all day long trying to search through it. You can spend your whole life trying to search through it. You can spend 10 billion lifetimes trying to search through it. You will never reach its outer edges. His greatness is unsearchable. And we could talk about God who is transcendent. He is high and holy. and He's so different than us. He's the one who set the stars in their place. He's the one that ushers in the dawn each day. He's the one that stirs up the storm that came through this morning and dropped water on our gardens and hail on our roofs. He's the one 
that gives every living, breathing thing its breath. He sustains all life in whom all things hold together. He's perfect and unchanging. And we could talk forever and ever. I could spend all my life and lifetimes to come declaring his greatness and talking about only his transcendent attributes, the things about him that are just so unlike me. But I haven't even got into the ways in which we've also experienced not just his, his bigness, but also let's talk about his nearness, the personal goodness that we've experienced, his intimacy, right? In the times of sorrow, how he has come near to you. Or in the midst of your sin, how he's been patient and gracious and compassionate. He's the type of king that steps away from the royal throne and dies for his rebel servants. And it's by his grace that he still loves me today. Can, we start talking about the greatness of God. You can talk about these transcendent attributes or these, these eminent realities, but they're unsearchable. And the reason that I love, if we're gonna talk about family mission, highlighting verse three before we get into verse four, is we have to talk about why. You gotta be able to look your kids in the eyes and say, when they go, dad, why do we do this? Why is this what our family's about? You say, because the Lord's greatness is unsearchable. There is nothing like him in this world and in this universe. And all of our lives is to be oriented on the worship of him. And we're trying to call everybody else, every other living, breathing thing into the worship of him who is worthy of it all. That's why we do what we do. That's why our household is different than everybody else's household. Because his greatness is unsearchable and he's captured our lives. That's the why. But I love how this just short section here in Psalm 145 moves us from not only just like, here's why we have a family mission to like how this should look in our lives. And I'll get to verse four, right? One generation will declare your works to the next and will proclaim your mighty acts. See, it doesn't just end with worship, right? We, we worship God in all of his greatness, but it moves us to action that we will declare his greatness then to the next generation. This is why we say often as a church that we are a next generation church because we believe that it is the responsibility of every generation to get the gospel to the next generation. And if you die having not done that, the church is dying on your backs. You are supposed to take the greatness of God and pass along, like, like the chains, right, moving along the links in the chain and one being broken. I don't want to be the broken link. I want to be one that passes on the greatness of God to the next generation. It's got to be the church that even in the midst of COVID-19 and the, the challenges that it provides goes, wait, the mission's still the same. We still need to keep declaring the greatness of God. Maybe we have to change the methods Maybe now it requires some level of creativity, ingenuity, persistence, intentionality, unlike before maybe. But we continue about the same mission to get the greatness of God and to communicate it on to the next generation. And it starts in our homes with us making disciples among our kids. 
and then it moves out into the streets around us and to the nations. That's why we exist as a church. That's to be the mission of your family. So I wanted to talk with why do we do what we do? Why do we have a family mission? I was about like, like how this kind of looks, right? That, that one generation is taking it upon themselves and go, I have to pass this on to the next generation. I want to hand my kids something beautiful that's worth them worshiping their whole lives and then some. But I also want to talk about what specifically this looks like when it gets into our homes. And so to do that, I thought better than me do that for the next 18 to 20 minutes, I'd pull on a couple other families to come up with me here and let them just share what does this look like in their households. And so uh, I've got the Benoits and Hayes coming up here. And some of you would know, uh, this is Laura Benoit here and her husband, Ernie. Can we give them like a... I got tired of looking at that shirt. Oh, I found you a better shirt. I need to put this on right now. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you a question and while you're answering, I'm gonna throw this out, not over the top, over the top. Right. Take it off. Uh, yeah. oh my <laughs> don't. God. Please don't. Uh, uh, wow. <laughs> uh, and then we have over here, Bryant and Jen Hayes. Can we give them a little holler? Again, the applause meter is stuck at like, it's the same. So maybe after the service, we'll see you it's the, the greater shout. So, all right, so I'll start with you guys here. Um, some people in here know you, maybe some don't. Um, can you just refresh those, like, that wide spectrum of crowd? Like, what's your story? How did you get here? Where'd you come from? Where are you going? That type of thing. Yeah, so Laura and Ernie Benoit, um, we are both from South Louisiana, right outside New Orleans. Uh, both went to LSU and then lived there. Looks good. Lived there for uh, six years doing college ministry at LSU with a church there. Um, then we moved to Fort Worth, Texas, right after we had our first baby. So took the grandbaby away from Yeah, both the our parents are from South and Louisiana, and they were really not happy with us. They're like, you can go, but leave the boy. Yeah. You know, we're like, we're like, no, he's coming too. Yeah, we were an hour away from family there, um, and then went to Fort Worth, Texas to plan a college ministry um, at a church there right by TCU. Lived there for six years, had two more kids. So we have a seven-year-old boy, a four-year-old little girl, and a one-year-old little girl. And so loved Fort Worth, never thought that we would live in Texas. I think Ernie actually said he would never live in Texas. Um, we are really offended when people think we're from Texas here because we're like, no, we're from Louisiana, lived in Texas. Um, but just loved life there, had amazing community, part of a really healthy church, and didn't make a lot of sense to leave. But we did, and we moved here um, last August and have, will be here for another year before we move to Cincinnati. Y'all can get your t-shirts after the service. Um, and, and your for sale signs. Yeah, your for sale signs for your yard. <laughs> but yeah, we moved here last August and we'll be here until we plant this church in Cincinnati. And um, yeah, that's kind of our story. So. Ernie, I'm going to throw this one to you. That, there's a lot of U-Hauls involved in all of that. I mean, and even the fact that you moved here not knowing where you were going to move next. Yeah. We, we just announced that last weekend. So That's right. It is Cincinnati. That's where, yeah, we are but, still going. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. But I'm sure you get this question a lot. Yeah. Why do all of this? 
Yeah, that is a question we got quite a bit and just about every single move. Like when we moved from Louisiana to Texas, it was, there's people like, how can you move away from your family? You just had a baby. I remember my grandma looking at me going, my grandma looking at me go, I cannot believe you're taking the grandchildren away from your parents. And I was like, they're like, shame on you. And we're like, oh my goodness. You're all your friends. Like I worked with my best friends. It was awesome. And we went to Texas and we told them we're gonna come here for two years. We're gonna come to Iowa. And then we were gonna go plant a church. We didn't know where, but we're just gonna figure it out. And um, we had a lot of people, some people being like, man, I had one pastor looked at me and said, if I ever did what you did, Ernie, my wife wouldn't even let me sleep in the same room. As, you know, and how could you do that? Like, your kids are a great school. And it was tough. Like, for the, the first six weeks we lived here, like, Jackson cried himself, my son, all of a sudden, cried himself to sleep every night and begged to go back to Texas to see his friends. And so it wasn't easy at all. Like, it was really tough things. There's times that we sit here and go, like, man, this is hard. But why we do it is because of, because of who God is and the things that you heard Cody talking about earlier on. Like, we wholeheartedly believe those things. And in a, in a moment that really set us on that trajectory of life was when we had, when Laura was pregnant with Jackson, there was a woman that really was, her, her and her husband, we really looked up to them as parents in the way that they led missionally. And they came up to us and said, hey, make sure you raise him to know God and make God known. And that became kind of like an anthem for us. We didn't make it up. They stole it from somebody else, whatever. It doesn't matter. But that became an anthem for us of going, this is what our mission in life is to know God and make him known. And so in every one of those conversations of why, that's why. Because we felt like we wanted to know God. And so God is not just in your quiet time. He's on the mission field. He, he's calling you always somewhere, whether it's talking to a neighbor, maybe it's going to Cincinnati or it's going to anywhere. God is calling you to go somewhere. And so when you follow him, you're with him, right? You're following him on mission, not just in your quiet time. And then also we want to make him known that we knew there was a lot of people that needed to hear the gospel that wouldn't have an opportunity. There's a lot of campuses. We believed in that so wholeheartedly. And my kids now, when they see our faith, like I want my son to not be like, you know, I wanna be a superhero or strong or whatever. I wanna be like, I wanna have a faith like my dad. And I know that that legacy's only gonna come by what, what I do and not just what I talk about. And so as painful and as difficult all that stuff was, man, there, like, we wouldn't change it for, a world. Our, like, for the world. Like our marriage is better because of it. Our, our, our kids, like my son shares the gospel with our neighbors. None of that would have happened. You know, like we need to work on tact and timing. But like, but he has the heart there and he's not afraid. And, and all that is the fruit of us being obedient to being sent people, to being people who go, you know? So that's why I tell him why. Well, it, it is funny you mentioned tact with Jackson. I think I've heard him once like yelling across the fence at the neighbor kids like, do you guys know Jesus? You yeah. know, just like random. Yeah. Unashamed, yeah. unashamed. He's like, let's go. I love that. I love it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pivot here. This is uh, like, like my talk show living room. So go we discussed in the previous service, I, I think if I was to pick a talk show host to emulate, I want to be Steve Harvey. I love that dude. I, I kept trying to put Ellen on you. Yeah, I know. Really no, no, no. Yeah. All right. So uh, Hayes Share a little bit of, of your story and provide some, some context a bit for some of the things that are happening in your life. Yeah, so this is Bryant and I'm Jen Hayes and we've lived in the Cedar Valley our whole lives. 
And um, we came to Candeo pretty much the first day that they had the first service here. Um, we didn't even realize what that meant at the time, but I guess we had joined our first church plant that day. Um, and we've been here ever since. And um, the way that we've served, the way that we've, the things that we've done here has changed and evolved over time, but that's kind of where we are and we're, we're all in here. Um, so as far as our family goes, um, they came along that journey with us um, and what a church plant looks like and, you know, kind of in the beginning days of like a church in a box and um, different ways of serving. Um, and again, their journey has evolved too. Um, but besides serving here in our church, um, another thing that we have always tried to do is to, you know, be active in our community, look for ways that we can be involved. Um, you know, we've done some stuff at the Northeast Iowa Food Bank. Um, you know, and really just uh, besides like just organization stuff like that, just trying to cultivate um, in our family a culture of just being on mission, um, wherever that is, you know, whether that's Bryant at work or the kids in their schools with their friends. Um, we've always said that, you know, we have an open door policy in our house. Um, our house is a safe place. So if the kids know, uh, have a friend that's in need, um, you know, needs a, someone to talk to or a place to crash, then, you know, that that's our home. Um, so we've had kids in our home from time to time. Um, we just try to be open, open-handed and generous as much as we can, um, and just try to teach our kids to live that way as well. Well, and, and you guys have always had ways which you're kind of pace setters in the, the different churches you've been in and, and such. So I, I know this has been a pattern of your life for a while, but this whole concept of uh, a family mission uh, created even some more interesting conversations in your household, maybe going back to a couple years ago. Uh, Pull back the curtain on that a bit, Brian, if you would, on what these conversations look like, because you got teenage kids, and I'm sure that gets interesting, right? Yeah, so, you know, from the beginning, going all the way back to even Anthem Church, it was, it was a consideration, you know. We, we really have, have kind of fostered this idea of, of, you know, we want to go, but we're willing to stay. Um, and so each time there's an opportunity, we're, we we think about it, we pray about it, we look at, uh, you know, is God opening doors here? And we keep charging through those open doors as much as we can. Um, you know, whether it was Southeast Asia, whether it was Anthem, but particularly with Salt Church and with Paul and Jenny going there, um, obviously we had known them from the very beginning of, of the church plant here at Candeo. Um, you know, we were, we were very far down that road. Um, right about at the point of putting a, a for sale sign in our in our yard um and you know we involved the kids in a lot of those different process things we you know they went to meetings with us we talked about it we talked through it um and that kind of a thing and really what it what it ended up being was you know charging through these open doors and boom i got hit with it with a closed door you know and i'm like oh um i wasn't expecting that um okay so you know, you start to look to the left and to the right, you know, metaphorically speaking, you know, what, is, what does God have for me now? What, what more can I do here in the Cedar Valley? What more can I do here at Candeo Church? And really, he's just like, there's other open doors. There's other things. Um, you know, Cody and I talked, and it was really just this idea that, like, um, if I'm willing to move 2,000 miles away, and I really was, um, what does he have for me here? You know, and, and having that conversation with you and like, like, okay, not necessarily like, 
oh, I, you know, I need to go from doing nothing to doing something to, okay, some, something's got to change. Like, I want to change and, and be more involved here. You know, what, what can God use me for here? And really, we're always, we've always been about growing his kingdom. Um, and he's going to grow his kingdom however he grows it. I just want to be part of it, you know, um, and looking for where those opportunities are and, and saying, God, use me, use my family, use Jen, you, you know, whatever, whatever is, is there for us, we want to charge through that. Well, I think something that you two model, which is why I wanted to have you up here, is uh, we talk often as a church about having a sent, S-E-N-T, mindset, right, and a sent culture as a church family. Uh, we get that from John 20, 21, where Jesus says to his disciples, as the Father sent me, so I send you, right? So Jesus is, is commissioning us out, and it's not like that there's some super spiritual people that like, well, they're like the missionaries, and they, you know, then there's like the pastors, and they do work for God or whatever. No, no, every one of us has been filled with the Holy Spirit to be sent to the world, and for some, that may mean putting the for sale sign in front of their house and backing up the U-Haul and moving across the nation or to other nations to take the gospel. And we want to continue to be about that. And those who are like newer to Candeo, we've planted uh, Anthem Church, uh, the church after that, that was in Columbia, Missouri. Then uh, we planted a work in Southeast Asia, uh, most recently Gainesville, Florida, and now Cincinnati, Ohio. So this will be our fourth church plant. And so having a culture where we're watching people come across this stage and we're sending them out and they're going, but we're all on this mission together. And every one of us has a call of God on our lives to be a sent people. And I think you've embodied that well. So can you take me like more specifically, what does that look like in your household? Like in particular, Jen, can I just put you on the spot? When you tell your kids, hey, we're gonna go serve at the Northeast Iowa Food Bank, or we're gonna welcome so-and-so person into our house and they're gonna live here for a while. Do you ever get like eye rolls from them? Not too much. Um, they're, they're pretty good sports. They're sitting right over there. I forgot to mention them. Aren't they cute? Uh -huh. <laughs> um, but yeah, they, um, for the most part, they're, they're, they're troopers. I mean, they really do like to um, look for opportunities. One of the things that we try to do is just let them know that if they come across the opportunities um, that, that we don't see, that to encourage them to bring ideas to us. So like, again, like if it's a friend that's in need that needs to come into the home or if they have an idea um, of how they can serve um, or how we can serve as a family, then we, we definitely want to have their input in it. So I think that keeps the eye rolling to a minimum when you involve them in that process. But like, you know, an example would be um, my, my daughter Holly over there, she's 18. You know, she came to us a couple years ago and had researched um, a school over in Southeast Asia and said, mom, you know, there's an international school over there. The team's going over there. How would you feel if I if I moved over there for a year and like served in the mission field as they start up their church or whatever. And, and she's 16 at the time. She was 16 at the time. And like Bright and I just kind of looked at each other and we're like, that'd be cool, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, so I mean, it ultimately God ended up closing that door and she ended up not going, but it's just trying to be just open hand with all things. And that includes our kids sometimes too. That, that to me, and, and this is just like total honesty moment. Like my, my kids are 10, nine, six and four, you know, so I'm still like, when I look at my kids, I still have this like dream of like, we're all going to end up in the same cul-de-sac and we're like going to grow old together. 
So the thought, honestly, you know, I, it, it's been hard for me because it's like having a family mission and being about the gospel and, and, and you know, us in these conversations and all this, to pray genuinely over my kids against that, like, selfish desire and go, God, I, I want them to be about your work. And if that means that Jacoby moves to this city and Caden to that country and Trevor to such and such place and then some dude's going to look me in the eyes who's married my daughter and goes, don't worry, I'll take care of her. And I'll be like, I don't trust you at all. <laughs> I, that, that open-handedness, though, Jen, that's, Brian and Jen, that's a really beautiful thing. And it's something that I think we have to live life with when it comes to a family mission. And Ernie, you, speak, you spoke to this just the other night when we were on your back porch about like eternal versus temporal things. Mm -hmm. Like speak into this a bit. Yeah, I, I think the thing that stops the majority of us from growing in our faith and feeling the nearest of God is that we get so wrapped up in the things that are temporal in front of us and they stop us from actually following God when he's calling us out to go somewhere, whether it's to a neighbor, your dorm, whatever it is, you're missing out on pre the presence of God at that moment by following him where you're going. And the temporal is really getting in your way about that. And, 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 and I even see it bleed into some of the advice that I was even getting from people that were in church life with me, working church life, and they'd be like, and the things that they were saying why we shouldn't do were all things like, well, you know, Jackson's gonna, he's, he's going from kindergarten to first grade. You should probably let him go to first grade there, go through elementary school, or your, your wife has all these great friends here, or all these different things that are, it's not like, oh, who cares about your kids, or I don't care about my wife. Like, it's not any of those, it's not any of those things, but they just, they weigh, they take so much weight to the point where eternity, guys, like, like sometimes we live like there isn't any eternity. That the most important thing is that Jackson grows up with the same group of friends and that could be the best life for him is that he has the same group of friends and my, and my wife has all of her same group of friends and they get to do life together for the next 40 years because that's the thing that matters the most. And I was like, well, it's not. If, it's, if we're not following God, like, no, that's, that's, it's not. It's like, that's cool. That's bonus. That's blessing. And, and they get so we get tied up in this, this temporal idea of these things that are thinking they're more important than they are than eternal, eternal things. And so they would look at me and think I'm crazy because I've moved my family what would be like four times in, in 10 years or something like that and be like, you're crazy. What's wrong with you? Do you not like your family? And I'm looking at them going, you're crazy because you're caring about all the wrong things. Like one day I'm gonna be in heaven and I wanna live a life like Paul who says, I ran the race. I was a, a spilt out offering because the time we spent here is a mission. Like you look at 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. He says, you're a holy people, a chosen, a chosen people, a royal nation, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who calls you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Our identity, God has given us this identity for the purpose of proclaiming the gospel to people that won't hear it unless we go, right? And we can only do it here. We can't do it in heaven. It's the mission that we have now to, to, to accomplish, to be a part of. And so, no, I wanna live like there's eternal reward waiting for me, not just store up my reward here. And so I, and it, it gets us in this, all these crazy things where we make the kids our spiritual leaders of our family because we'll go to this church or do this thing because our kid likes it, or we won't go follow God to this thing because it, it, and they, can't, they can't hold up underneath that, you know? Well, Laura, you said something pretty powerful about Jackson, and can you yeah. say that again? I feel like, um, you know, our, if we had followed and let Jackson lead our family in this decision, 
we would still be in Texas. You know, we would have missed out on the work that God has for us here in Cedar Falls because he has six-year-old feelings and they're big, you know, and we need to be sensitive and we need to shepherd those times with him. And those six, first six weeks that we lived here were hard, you know, and, but I'm so thankful that we can set the spiritual just trajectory for our family and then shepherd our kids. And now he has an appreciation that he didn't have a year ago, you know, and he has a clear path that we were able to disciple him in and not just, you know, there's, I mean, there's still people that think what we do is crazy and, you know, maybe irresponsible (laughs) for our family, but I just think these moments that we've been able to have with our kids and even our four-year-old, you know, of just shepherding her heart and listening to those feelings, but also guiding them in truth and not putting the weight of that, you know, that mantle he's not made to bear. So. Yeah. And my kid knows that this world is not his home. Like, we have friends and relatives and their kids are like, I would never do that because I want to leave my art thing or this thing. Jackson's like, which city are we going to? Like, we stopped in St. Louis because we were tired of driving and stayed the night. And our, our LR four-year-old <laughs> cried because she thought that was the city we were planting and we were finding to live there, you know? <laughs> my son's like, I can't wait to get to Cincinnati. Let's pray for these people. It's uh, like, you know, who's coming with us? Like, none of that would have happened unless we didn't follow God mission. None of that. Well, again, I think whatever culture we set as parents, our kids are going to grow up thinking that that's normal. And what I see in both of your examples, and I just want to applaud you in it, is like intentionality to cultivate a culture that is about the greatness of God, knowing him and celebrating him, and then declaring that to other people. And it's the greatest thing that we could give our lives to, and you're teaching your kids how to give their lives for it by setting in an example. And uh, guys, I just really commend that, and I'm really grateful for you and would encourage you. Guys, I think what you're hearing here is, is just this is what discipleship is and looks like. It's having conversations with your kids. It's shaping their hearts and attitudes. But it's also explaining to them why we do what we do. And uh, it's just really incredible. So thank you guys for your leadership and that. And I would love to pray for us, church, as we go back into worship, but to pray for these things that we're hearing today, uh, for even this Psalm 145 mindset to like take over your household, that you would be a household that is about the greatness of God. And then as parents, passing along the greatness of God from one generation to the next and let it start in your home and spill out onto the streets of the communities all over North America, and to the ends of the earth. So let's pray. Uh, Father, thank you so much for overwhelming us with your greatness as we've experienced it, as we can see it. And God, I thank you that these things all string together, that it, 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 it is worship and, and worship drives it. It's at the heart of it, but it doesn't end with worship. We didn't, it then moves to action in our lives the way that we show people the gospel, that we share the gospel. And God, there's no way that we can guarantee that our kids will grow up to love you, to give themselves fully to you. But as parents, we just want to be found faithful to have done everything that we can to, to show our kids that of who you are and that you're worth living for. That God, that our kids would grow up seeing the work of God in their parents' lives, 
seeing the work of God and the things that they see around them to such a level that they'd go, I can't deny it. I've seen it. I've seen what God did in my parents. I've seen the gospel at work in the lives of people. And God, that would continue to capture their hearts, their imagination, and their lives. God, help us as shepherds to set a culture in our households. We're not victims of the culture in our household. We create it as parents. And so help us to set a culture that is pleasing and honoring to you because your greatness is unsearchable. We love you and we worship you. Amen. This has been a message from Candeo Church. To learn more about us or to hear more messages, visit us at candeochurch.com.